0: Welcome back to another episode of the New Evangelicals podcast. Now, listen, this is the first time where I'm actually recording an intro for you podcasting people who can't see me and you podcasting people who can see me on YouTube. So hello to YouTube. This is something that I'm gonna be doing more and more of, which is getting my content in video form on my YouTube channel. So welcome to the channel if you're watching on there, and to all of my podcast friends out there in radio world. Hello, great to have you back. So, this is kind of a new series I'm doing, um kind of weaving this type of podcast among my normal podcasts. I don't have a title just yet for this. Whatever the title is, is what it's going to be called. But I'm thinking something like when the gloves come off or something like that, because I'm trying to find people with radically different perspectives in the Christian faith and actually have a conversation and really kind of push them to explain their worldview. So today is the first episode of us doing that. So I have Samuel Duth, On the podcast. Now, Samuel goes to Awaken Church in California, which is a very anti mask, you know, um, anti tyranny, very patriotic kind of approach to your theology. Charlie Kirk has spoken there. Candace Owens is speaking there. And I have followed Samuel for a little while now. And eventually I said, you know what, instead of trying to argue with this guy in the comments, let me reach out and see if he wants to have a face to face dialogue because I find that you have better. in-depth dialogue when it's face-to-face and it just changes the tone so we did now I'm going to tell you right now okay you're going to watch this episode and you're going to say Tim why aren't you interrupting more why weren't you pushing him on this or on that I understand but at the same time I didn't want to cut him off too much and Samuel needs time to kind of explain his point and so I just didn't want to interject too much because I was trying to get you know my questions answered so I'm gonna warn you I, I probably in everyone's eyes did not push him hard enough but I did my best okay because he's anti-mask he doesn't think that we should wear masks inside buildings uh, all that stuff and I just had so many questions so I hope you enjoy this episode now that. Being said, a quick, couple quick announcements. Number one, if you like this episode on YouTube or on podcasts, on Apple or Spotify, if you can please share the episode, that'd be a huge help to us. If you can give us a rating or like this video, that would be a huge help for us. And of course, if you want to get a little more involved, you can always donate. That really helps us go, it goes a long way. It helps us out so much. It covers Zoom costs and web hosting. I say it every time, but you know, there's a lot of hours that go into making all this happen. You can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter, and that would be all of that is just a humongous way to support us and be involved. So, without further ado, here is my debate, dialogue conversation with Samuel Duth. All right, Samuel, this is uh, at least for me, you know, I've been thinking about this now for since you and I booked this conversation because you're one of my first guests. And I I want to have more people like you on the show because it's important to have these dialogues of really, I would say, in some ways, very radically different perspectives on the same faith. I mean, we, we both claim to be Jesus people, Jesus followers. We both claim mm-hmm. to to have our positions out of a better love for Jesus, uh, which is yeah. just, to me, it's just like, wow, it's amazing like how divergent... Um, Uh, our paths can be on other issues with the same core so I'm looking forward to digging into some of these topics with you today Um, I appreciate that so just for everyone at home why don't you kind of give a very quick intro of who you are you know what do you do
1: etc yeah hey man well thanks for letting me uh, jump on and, and be a part of this I'm looking forward to it should be good Hopefully a little spicy, you know. Hopefully. What I,
0: mean? Hopefully. <laughs> I gotta get these <laughs> listed <listings laughs>
1: somehow. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it, man. You got it. You know, it. it sells. You know, maybe if 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 we don't argue too much, we could just yell for a little bit for fun if that if that helps. Perfect. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I'm Samuel Duth and uh uh husband, father of two. Uh, beautiful little girls, uh, wife, going on 18 years now, Wow, uh, wife Katie, and uh, so we're loving life down here in SoCal, California, San Diego, suffering for the Lord down here in uh, the <laughs> sunshine. And um, so yeah, enjoying that, I'm part of a great church here called Awaken, and uh, serving as kind of with a the pastoral team, teaching team, uh, get a chance to... Uh, serve uh, specifically from like a staff perspective overseeing all of our small groups connect groups discipleship that kind of a deal so that's a real area of passion for mine and has been for quite a while you know serving in kind of church staff church leadership type of roles for about going on almost 20 years now so wow wow um so in that you know um, a range of things as anyone in ministry has been. And so I get a chance to do that. And I think one of the fun things, like a little over six years ago, I'd stepped out from Seattle. I lived up Mm -hmm. there in the Northwest Mm -hmm. moved down. And I initially, and I still do this. I itinerate a bit, of course, COVID shut a lot of the traveling down. Yeah. I itinerate a, a bit, but in that season, I ended up writing a new believers book. So it's like a seven essentials for new believers and um, that really began to kind of serve a niche in the church, um, not only my church but churches across America and beyond. And so that's kind of a, a fun thing I get to do. Really focus in on helping support churches and making disciples. So very that's cool. A li- li- little bit of me. I, and I like that. a good. I like a good cortado. <laughs> All right, <Still> noted. <laughs>
0: Noted. well that's great yeah I appreciate all that I don't know how much you know about me but very briefly I grew up in, in the church my whole life homeschooled fundamentalist upbringing Jesus person my whole life never really rebelled against the faith kind of rebelled deeper into it I like to say uh, and I did have my moment you know of deconstructing it about four years ago so to speak but even before that I've been rethinking church as a whole how are we doing it what's it mean etc house church home church mega church what do we do so yeah. I, I I'm, I'm pretty steeped in this world as well just so you kind of reference for me but I think figured, you know, for us to get started, it might be good to let people know what we actually agree on first, and then we can we can take the gloves off and go to town. So, I have a couple of, like, just, like, I think core statements that you and I would both agree on. If I'm wrong, you can let me know. Okay. Um, you know, we both affirm death and resurrection of Jesus, right? Like, affirmed, right? 100%. Okay.
1: Affirmed.
0: All right, affirmed. Me too. All right, hey, this is going great. Look at um, this. <laughs> how great is this? Um, I, 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 for me, I would say that that the greatest two commandments, loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself, is the most important thing to being a committed Jesus follower.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Uh, fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. You know, that's important as evidence of, of salvation. Yep. All right, cool. Um, I'm curious to know your view on the Bible. Um, we can get into, I think this could be a good kind of jump off because we're going to get into some other stuff too. But, you know, for me, I think the Bible is definitely inspired. But as far as me viewing it as, um, in like the modern fundamentalist sense, inerrant, imperfect, meaning no flaws, no problems, I think at this point I wouldn't say that is true, even though I think God clearly has worked through the Bible to give us his word. Uh, what, what would your take be on the Bible at this point?
1: Yeah, no, I, I definitely hold to the inherent, inerrant word of God um and that isn't to say that there hasn't been nuance in translation discoveries right let's say with the scrolls you know D- dead sea scrolls or things like that where they go okay hey we found an earlier manuscript and so we're able to adjust or update that kind of a deal so i mean there can certainly be nuance in those types of errors from a technical standpoint as far as the 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 bible that we have uh, right now, it's God's word inspired, and and is the foundation and basis for truth that we build life on. That's, okay, that's how that's how I I approach God's word.
0: And you would say that like the Catholic Bible, Eastern Orthodox Bible, with the Apocrypha would not be as inspired. Just the Protestant books, is that correct?
1: Yeah, that would be. Yeah, the, the canon. Yeah, can't. Exactly. Would read it, yeah.
0: yeah. All right, cool. So let's hop into one of the biggest disagreements, I think, off the back. Because I've been following you for a bit. I, I do shadow stalk <laughs> you, full transparency. And I do hold back as often as I can. I'm like, I know I'm going to talk to this dude so I don't get too spicy in the comments. But let's talk about <laughs> this mask thing. Because I've watched some of your live videos. You seem, your position that I've seen so far is masking. And if I'm, if I'm wrong, correct me. But here's what I hear. Masking is tyranny. To be a good Christian, we should resist masks, including wearing them inside businesses. It's our God-given right to fight back against the government. That—that's—that's that's the gist I get from you. Am I off there?
1: Um, that would—that'd be like one of those yes and no uh, type of answers. Okay. Um, it may surprise you that I have worn—I have—I do wear a mask when <laughs> I'm asked to, like okay. in a public setting. You know. I, you know, it's funny, sometimes I've gone out with, you know, friends who would share the same value and I would get out of the vehicle and I'd grab a mask as I'm getting out of the vehicle to head towards uh, a store because, you know, if if they end up, you know, some are much more confrontational inside a store setting. For me, it's been more of a preference to not, and I have some reasons which I'll explain, but I'm still ultimately going to um, put on a mask if somebody's, Ask me to, or I'm going to walk out if I really am that serious about it, but I'm not taking my stand in the grocery aisles and, you know, refusing to leave and barricading myself in or something like that. Right. Um, You know, I think, I think the deal uh, to me, and this is a, it's a big conversation. That's what we're here to talk about. There's a meshing between my, my faith and what I believe this, this free life That the Bible ultimately produces in people, right? Like this, this, this freedom that comes in Christ, uh, then outplays into all of life and society. So it meshes to me in all kinds of things. But the mask or no mask is not inherently uh, a specific, like Christian, non-Christian thing to me. Okay. Mm, Okay. So, but what when I when I talk against wearing it, I'm more looking at um, the the history of how tyranny comes into countries and how things like the mask or the vaccine, um, whether you whether you think masks masks or vaccines, you should or shouldn't use them. It's more of the question of of being forced by government and sort of overriding personal rights and freedoms as American citizens. um, That's more when it comes to the mass specifically, that's more of like the core issue is that there's an overreach of government authority. Right. And, and when this first began, I had a lot of people go, man, it's a mass chill out. What's the deal? Like, why are you so worked up about the mass And, and genuinely, I mean, I don't like wearing it when I, when I have to wear it. Right. Me either. Uh, I don't know that a ton of people love wearing, <laughs> it. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. Um, but when I wear it, I, yeah, I don't like wearing it, but it's not, at the end of the day, I can wear a mask. You know what I mean? It doesn't kill me to wear a mask. It, I don't have to give up my faith to wear a mask. I don't have to you know, believe in communism to wear a mask. Like right. inherently there's not some massive issue in and of itself, but it's more of like, does this, in my opinion, it does, or it it could lead to greater levels of freedoms being taken away if American citizens just kind of are just saying, okay, yes, sir, or whatever is being told to us by government, um, it could lead to this slow erosion of rights, freedoms, all that type of stuff. So that's, that's more kind of, I guess, at, at a core level. And I think sometimes because I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian, and then I'm also talking about issues like masks. And yes, I weave some of those concepts together. Yeah. I also like to bring up the fact that to me, um, there there are uniqueness, there are unique differences between, hey, I am a Christian and, and also I'm an, a Christian that's in the nation of America. And so there's some things that uh, are not a violation of my Christian faith, but because I've been put in this nation uh, of America, I was born here. This this is the country that that I live in. And then I'm also fighting for that nation. And as long as to me that sort of fight doesn't violate my Christianity, um, then then I there, there's to me it's a it's a con, it's a congruent concept to resist oppression in my nation, and also um, uphold my faith at the same time. I I don't seem conflicting.
0: Interesting, because to me, what I, you know, it's, I'm having a hard time sorting this out, because, you know, you use the word oppression there, and I don't, I, I don't think you're I mean, I don't know. I don't want to fill in the blanks, but I, I would imagine you're not a big fan of like movements like Black Lives Matter. I, I would imagine you're not a big a big fan of like you know whenever police shootings come out of unarmed black men. I, I'm not imagining you being on the side of. Police shouldn't be shooting unarmed black people. You know, I would tend to assume from the videos I've seen and from the videos videos I've seen shared of your of your pastor. You know, it's more yeah. of like he should have not been you know disobeying orders. But in this case, with the mask, all of a sudden it's well, I, I you know, as um, this is government oppression on me, and now all of a sudden I'm I'm my rights are being affected, and I'm struggling with like understanding that difference, especially as a Jesus follower. Which I know you would agree with me on this that our allegiance to Jesus must yeah. usurp any nation. I mean, we would both. Correct. Firmly agree on that. So yeah. I, I I would like maybe some understanding on that because you know, in my view, like wearing a mask, you're right. I hate wearing a mask. I wear it at the gym, it's a pain in my butt. I hate it. But even if, and I don't believe this is the case, but even if the science wasn't a hundred percent accurate, wearing a mask for the sake of the other, to me, it's just like it's it, it that's not a matter of my freedoms being taken away. That's me saying, given the circumstance. That we have a pandemic that has killed more than half a million people. This is not an erosion of my freedom. This is me saying I'm going to be part of a community and do whatever I can to help, you know, slow the spread, so to speak. Even sure. if I don't see the, the the science being, in your case, maybe you know, not as accurate as maybe some people would say it would be. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I, I think. I think truly, and it's because of how. I feel like I do see the science. I see the CDC's reporting on, on the COVID um, deaths, COVID um, recovery rates, right? All that kind of stuff. It's because of how I see that that I don't have a problem resisting mask wearing. So, to me, if if we're talking about like a a death a death rate. I mean, I don't, I don't know what, at what point statistically I would start going, okay, I'm gonna wear a mask. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, And, and I'd be wearing a mask that was much more effective than the masks that most of us are all wearing. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that's also part. So, so to me, when, when much of the population's own body recovers from the virus at a, at least ninety-five mm-hmm. plus percent rate. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean. So it's like more dangerous to drive in a car and get in an accident. More people die from accidents. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean than potentially uh, from a virus like that. When you look at the percentages, like like I, I'm more afraid to. I'd be more afraid to drive on a motorcycle, you know, than I would be of getting killed by the virus. So there's a difference to me between getting infected with the virus and getting killed by it, right? We all, many of us get versions of the flu every year, mm-hmm. you know, there's flu season, Right, it spreads, people get it, but no one had really shut down the planet because the concern of death at some crazy rate was not there. Now, with right. COVID-19, we didn't know. There was a lot of unknowns about this virus. There was a lot of, so I like a lot of people, and even our church, even though we're real bold now as far as we're open, no yes. masks. No I've stuff. seen your latest sermon title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just literally preached a message called "Unmask Your Light." Uh-huh. Um, so very, very not a problem talking about stuff like that. And that that message, by the way, was actually "Let Your Light Shine." I just used. The mask metaphor because we're all in. And actually, this is the first time I wore a mask on the stage was for that message. Well, can the, I ask a uh, question, question
0: about this? Well, before we kind of move on. Yeah. So, uh,
1: you know, I, I hear, and I, I don't want to get in the weeds on like, the
0: data because I, we could be here all day citing, who, God knows what Google articles, but the reality right. is that no matter how we want to slice whatever we want, whatever data we want to slice, the reality is over half a million, million Americans dead in one year. India is being ravaged by COVID right now. I mean, beer being decimated. Italy was really hit. And even though, yes, the, the rates are low, you know percentage wise when it affects a billion people 5% or 4% or even 2% is still a lot of people along with the spread i'm just failing to see like where the biblical mandate of oh this is where i should i should really make a public stance of i don't agree with with the government's view of this being a pandemic And therefore, the mask and the lockdowns are going to be like almost like a calling card for like me on either social media or for the church. I that's what I'm out of everything. That's what I'm wrestling with the most is like why this issue? Why not the reality of the poor in in the world's richest country? Why? Why not the the fight of? Why don't we have a basic uh, healthcare for again the world's richest country? You know, like there's major problems. I would say yeah, we got issues, and we can look at like a biblical perspective. I think and draw some passages to make our point, but why this one? That's why I don't get.
1: Yeah, yeah, you, you know, it, it's interesting that one of the posts I, I did a little while back, you know, because everyone was, uh, you know, around, especially around some of the the real height of, uh, you know, the last round of kind of BLM Inc. I call it BLM Inc. Uh, as a specific term. And several of us use that term because I want to make it very clear that I agree with the phrase Black Lives Matter. I have Mm -hmm. no problem with that phrase. I agree Mm -hmm. with it. I'm 100% for it. So, the Black BLM Inc. is specifically speaking to organizations and many of the leaders of that organization that are uh, very racist, in my opinion, uh, dangerous to all America, and especially to black people. So to me, there's a very big difference to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, um, shoot, I got, myself, I got myself a little sidetracked here. Do you want me to ask oh, the great. question again? Okay. Yeah, you got it. Okay, okay. they were, um, a lot of it was like, okay, I'll, I'll die on this hill, right? They're dying on hills. Everyone's talking about hills they're dying on, you know, or picking hills to fight for, are you going to fight, you know, is it going to be the, uh, the racial injustice Hill? Is it going to be, uh, you know, it could be a poverty Hill. It could be an abortion Hill. It could be, but recently I, I was thinking about this because then, then it started getting to like people like Damascus or other things, people challenging each other and saying like, do you really want to die on that Hill? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that the, I mean, that's not a bad question, but I, I think in general, I like the concept to go, hey, you got to pick a hill, <laughs> you know, at some point, there's got to be some things you grab onto. And I I live my life battle, you know, one of the big hills I'm always speaking out against is, is pro-life, right? I'm speaking out of that a lot. Um, I'm speaking out just on basic truths of God's word a lot. I talk about marriage a lot. I talk about faith a lot, Holy Spirit a lot. There's a lot of things that I speak into. I talk about parenting a decent amount.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I I speak through a few different things. This this has become a real forefront thing, and and I guess I, 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 I majored on it because to me it was more of an indicator of of where America has slid to when it comes to our constitutional rights being violated. And I want to be a part of helping make sure we don't slide back into levels of of oppression or what I call tyranny or embracing communistic type of approaches to bigger and bigger government, giving citizens less and less control. So that, you know, and again, the masks have now escalated into the vaccine and now many are wanting to call for mandatory vaccination. You can't do anything in life without getting vaccinated. I am not one of those who think the vaccine is the mark of the beast. I don't, I think that, Thank I God. that's funny. I think that's <laughs> hilarious to me. Right. Everyone's chasing, I don't
0: yeah, know. Yeah, the end times. It's, it's, a, with, it's, it's always been a thing. We know that. It's always
1: been a thing. Oh, I'm also not one of those guys who thinks the world's ending right now. Right. I'm not, I'm not actually, I think we, Jesus isn't coming back probably till well after any of us that are alive are here. I, I mean, tend to think that thousands as well. of years before yeah. that. It, I, and I think anyone who starts trying to guess that, is, is, is insane. Cause the Bible literally tells you, you're never going to know. So I, I don't know why we would attempt to. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm with you. So, um, okay. So, oh boy, you said a lot. I, I'm trying to pick up the right things. Well, while, while, well, I, I want to really get into the meat of things while we have time, right? Cause this is a good, a good discussion. And it's good to see the differences. So let's talk about this oppression idea. I mean, do you, you know, you mentioned constitutional rights. You don't think that a black man being shot by police is on a violation of his constitutional right to due process. That's what I, that's what I'm failing to understand here is like, sure. yes, we can any, I mean, I just, again, I, 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 don't, I don't sound like a, a, you know, a broken record. A pandemic that's killing people with a temporary mask order that's now being lifted is different than being worried that if you get pulled over and do the wrong thing or talk back to a cop the wrong way, you might get shot while you're not armed. And, and that can be any person of any color, but we see it a lot and we have data for this. I mean, the, the book, The the New Jim Crow, does a great job with, with, with this, showing that that it does hit Inner cities and people of color at a harder rate, you know, statistic percentage wise, not numerically, um, of that issue. So I'm not, I'm not asking you, I'm not asking you to become this like whatever you might think is woke or not. I'm just saying I don't understand why the why, why the selection of one over the other. Like I can point, yeah. I mean, how about the insurrection, January six, people waving you know Jesus banners? That's a huge violation of the Constitution. Most, uh, many, uh, quite a few Republicans aren't even voting for the commission to look into it. I'm just baffled by this you know like i just don't get where the perspective is so by all means please i'm I'm yeah a couple
1: things um to me any form of racism has got to be resisted. okay i i am just cheers racism is evil it is satanic It, it it must absolutely be stopped Any form of systemic racism has to be dealt with. That is a big word. That is a loaded phrase, right? Mm -hmm. Systemic racism, Mm -hmm. because I I feel like it has been manipulated or distorted in many ways. And of course, there's a hundred one books out right now uh, that actually say that I don't even have a right to talk about racism because I'm a white male, heterosexual white male. I'm the least allowed to speak about any topic, actually, as a white heterosexual male compared to the woke narrative of many of the books that, that are out right now. Um, so to me, I I just cannot more passionately oppose racism. What, what we have to navigate when we're talking about uh, police brutality, or specifically Black people feeling like they're being like, gunned down in the streets targeted marginalized specifically I, I think the challenge is the data does not prove out that reality the the, the, the data just doesn't and and the problem is that I I, I I wish I had I had a better way to I guess rattle off off stats on that but at, do we have a history of of abuse and slavery and oppression of Black people in America, 100%. Uh, is there residue of that in, in uh, you know, stronger residue in certain parts of our country? Yes. Um, it's embarrassing how recent some of this stuff took place legally in our nation. Yes. I posted just recently about when segregation mm-hmm. schools officially became outlawed. Right. Uh, that was the 50s. I mean, that's one of the things that, you know, from, a, I guess, a, an empathy or compassion type of a standpoint, when we're dealing with this, especially as, uh, as a white person, there's a level of empathy. I try to continue to remind myself that even if nobody is currently experiencing L- l- this isn't possible. But even right. if nobody was currently experiencing right. racism, we have so many people still alive today who experienced massive, true, horrific levels of prejudice, racism, abuse. Uh, it's that that is so evil and so unacceptable.
0: I just want to but add very really quickly, I'll get back to your point, yeah. I'll let you finish. That yes, I agree. And- But a lot of that was at the hands of of Protestant Christians. I mean, Jerry Falwell has a sermon. Fighting back against that decision by the Supreme Court, Bob Jones has a sermon, and they use a lot of the same language that some of you guys use. This is mm-hmm. trampling on God's word. This is this is just you know the liberal or you know the, the modern the modern spirit of the age, a very anti-intellectualist movement. So we have to understand that it, this is this this did not happen in a vacuum. Yes, not every Christian, but a lot of big leaders, and I mean the people who whose shoulders the the moral majority stands on. We're against the decision that you and I both look back on and say, wow, yes, that was a good decision. So yeah. what make, what makes you think now that, you know, like, like you mentioned, you know, statistics, I'm sure you have them, but we do know that, for example, um, you know, incarceration rates are Through the roof with black men compared to any other demographic in New Jersey, my own state. In two thousand and two, it turned out that state troopers were pulling over eighty percent of people that they pulled over on on like our major highway. It's called the Turnpike. Was eighty percent were people of color in the Mm. you know so that's eighteen years ago. So you know what I'm trying to say is like what makes you think it's easy to look back and say oh clearly terrible, but it's hard to look now and say it's still happening. Why do you think that is?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, first of all, to speak to the to history of some of those Christian leaders who would have been against segregation, um, it's it's appalling. I mean, there's just no other way to really describe that. Um, and sad, uh, sad to hear that, sad to see that, you know, the, the one thing, uh, I guess, that always gives me hope on any major area, whether it be racism, whether it be abortion, things like that. Um, the thing that gives me hope is, uh, as it was interesting, in that post where I was talking about that, I also referenced, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, Roe v. That. Wade. Yeah. And I, I was just looking at some of these old pictures. It was actually interesting because sometimes you just think probably when Roe v. Wade passed, like, everyone was so excited and all these years later, we're still celebra- celebrating it. And all, But there were still people opposing it then. You know what I mean? opposing it now, there were people opposing racism from day one and, and slavery yeah. from day one in America. And I think we do have to remember that when, whenever we're facing horrific issues is that it, we can actually can't categorize a group of people as one unified unit. All black people are not the same, all white people are not the same, all Hispanic people are not the same and it actually it's one of several of my you know you know black get leaders in our church that I've had conversations so that's one of the most dangerous things is that when we actually lump an entire group together purely based on skin color we start making all kinds of generalizations good or bad you know what I mean. Yeah, About I hear you
0: on that, but that I mean that isn't fully fair because the Charlie Kirk who you guys have had at your church th- that he makes a living off of making woke culture the liberals. I mean, I follow that guy on Twitter. I follow Greg Locke on Twitter. They they do it too. So I, I would even to a degree agree with you. Like, yeah, we shouldn't generalize too much. But I found that a lot of conservative voices will use that when it's them. Oh, whoa, not all cops, not all cops. But then they'll say, oh, the cancel, mo- the, 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 the woke mob is just trying to whatever, or cancel culture, the <laughs> social justice warriors like in that book, Live by Lies, she brings it up. So I do find it kind of convenient that like that's a very interchangeable term.
1: It's used when it's yeah. convenient. But when not listen though, demonize I it. I just I want to use it when it's convenient for me, though. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all do that, right? I mean yeah. I can't
0: say I'm not guilty
1: of that either, I, but we
0: have to admit I it. think
1: you're right. I think it's a fair point. And actually, I think it's a good I think it's a good point of growth that everyone has to get better at, myself included. I definitely think about that from time to time. I go, um uh because you know this may this may get me uh, some people charging my social media once you post this. I was at the Capitol. <laughs> so was James. my dad. Okay, I was All at right. the Capitol. Now let me explain. Let me explain that. Go ahead. There's a lot of people go like, oh, you know, you were going there to storm the castle. Oh my God, like that's insane. I that was the last thing in my mind. I I would never have gone if I thought. People were going to, like, charge the building, try to, like, it wasn't really a takeover anyways. I mean, if you really were trying to take over the Capitol, you would have had a much more aggressively armed group of people trying to do something like that. That was that. And and of course, you know, all the videos that have come out now that expose uh, a very different angle on much of that. But anyways, I, I still I wasn't a fan of it. And I did not, I wasn't in the building. I wasn't on the building. You know, I was done finishing listening to President Trump speak. And I'm walking over by the time I'm over there, the, the back lawn is pretty much filled out. People mm-hmm. are just chanting four more years and just all the political, you know, yelling and stuff. I genuinely went there. I'm, you know, our our nation needs God. Our nation's in a season of, you know, turmoil in many ways. And I was there to pray and also there because I genuinely feel like Um, You know, I wanted to stand up against, you know, election fraud that I felt like has happened. And that was legitimate. So I was just there to be a part of the voice, all the shenanigans, anybody who did something stupid, like charging and breaking into the building. I condemn it. I'm against it. I think I think that was insane. You know what I mean? So and and even when people said I saw some people charging or going like, come on, push forward. I was like, what is this joker talking about? Like, I came here to just like stand Mm -hmm. for freedom, stand against election, you know, fraud. And um, so to me, moments like that that get out of hand, I, you know, it it was interesting. Went back to my hotel room and all of a sudden it was like insurrection at the Capitol. I was like, well, it didn't look like that when I was on the ground there. You know what I mean? Of course, later video footage of different things that happened. Yeah. Um, that obviously were horrific and aggressive, and of course, you know, we there's been all kinds of stuff that have come out to expose a different narrative than was originally pushed. However, ha- having said that, um, that that was an unacceptable display, in my opinion. Even as a very patriotic conservative American, I just I wasn't into it. How did it make you
0: feel? Seeing Jesus banners, seeing a Christian flag inside the Capitol, seeing a prayer to Jesus done inside the Capitol from people who broke into a building, caused an election vote procedure to stop. I mean, our legal process being halted by people storming and a lot of it in the name of God and loaded with, I would say, QAnon support as well. And there's there's tons of evidence for that for a lot of reasons. How did that make you feel as a pastor? Like, don't you kind of feel like what's happening to my faith? The way of the cross is not a violent one. I mean, that's the whole, that's yeah. one of the major narratives in the Bible. Jesus gives himself up to violence and then and conquers it through death. But in here we have a whole different narrative of my rights, my pride, my freedom. I'm going to – I believe this narrative that the election has been stolen, which I would h- dispute a million percent, and so has even our conservative Supreme Court. But, you know, how does it make you feel with the whole Jesus flag thing? I mean, to me, that just goes, what has happened? This is not loving our neighbor.
1: So how did you feel about sure. it? Yeah, you know um – I, I actually don't i never saw the picture of like a jesus flag inside but no, i'll
0: send it to you the christian flag but, waving inside the capitol like a video i have it
1: that was okay. crazy
0: and then a, and then a prayer um, to jesus
1: yeah you know i don't know you know I, I like i said my statement on the overall events of anyone breaking windows that i saw and bulldozing people over and all that to me um i, I don't endorse it I'm against it. You know what I mean. Uh, the 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 only The only thing is if I don't know. Now I'm just making wild assessments or guesses. I mean, when you saw the video of the, you know, the iconic guys in all the headgear that were literally talking to a police officer, and he's basically saying, "Hey, you can come in as long as you don't wreck something." You know what I mean? He's basically Mm -hmm. letting them in. Um, You know, I I don't know. maybe yeah. some maybe some of the people going into the capitol didn't realize you know weren't a part of that original mob that was Boston Adorado. Well, I don't for, know. For the <laughs>
0: record, I, I don't think you or my dad went there to, to do what happened. Okay. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not putting yeah. the blame on you and saying you personally couldn't wait for this to happen. What I'm asking is you and I are both very passionate about Jesus. We're passionate about the Christian faith. You make a, you know, your career is doing this, right? I do this on social media. I've yeah. been doing this for years. What I'm asking is, doesn't it concern you that Christian language is being used? And I, for the record, I follow. Proud Boys, um, uh, channels. I follow QAnon conspiracy channels. I read their book. They have a book. Out. I read it. It's loaded with Christian needs. Now, whether they're real Christians or not is not my question. My question sure. is, doesn't that concern you to see our faith being hijacked to be used for things that are crazy and not the way of Jesus at all? I mean, no one can read the sermon on the Mount and then go, yeah, uh, this makes a lot of sense. It's, it's completely incompatible on my view. Yeah. So how does it make Do you-, you feel?
1: Yeah, do you um, do you feel similar to kind of the founding of America and Christianity? What do you mean? Uh, just because during like the Revolution, pastors were a key part of of encouraging, you know, the the colonies to fight against Britain and uh, and establish basically America. You know, the whole black robe regimen, Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. And, and all of that. So to me, this. This was stupid people, if they're Christians or not, claiming that, it's unfortunate. People do all kinds of dumb stuff, claim God, give them a bad name in different settings, and it's unfortunate. The majority of people there were not doing that. The majority of Christians, I know that are Christian conservatives, are not that. They are, you know, many of them are freedom fighters in the sense where they're going to stand up to try to keep America free. You free know. For, free for who like for, for example for, for example
0: which do you free support do you support lgbtq marriage in the, in, the, in america
1: i don't support anything that's not biblical
0: Right, so what you're saying is that okay, my view of the Bible must be exported to everyone else right so if a gay couple wants to get married, your view is legally they should not be allowed, they should not be allowed to and it's not a reduction of their freedom in a country that isn't is we're not a theocracy obviously right we're not governed by the Bible governed by the constitution so that's why I'm saying like free for who because that's that, that, that yeah. doesn't work for them. Well, I,
1: think, I think the founder's freedom, I, you know, I was actually I was reflecting on this. There are some mm. interesting letters, um, you know, from, you know, speaking to, um, sorry, is it pronounced, is it Alex, uh, uh, Tito- is it Tito-ville or Oh, I don't know. Don't look at me for that. No. I can Google it. <laughs> he, um, he, he was a Frenchman who traveled around America in some of those beginning, you know, uh, founding years. To kind of go, okay, what is it about America? What's the uniqueness? Right, right. And much of it he spoke to is, is the, the vibrancy of the church was sure. a key part of the life of America. Um, and, but he and many others spoke to this concept of freedom. And actually, I think many of us, even conservatives and conservative Americans, also get this off mm. is that freedom, biblical freedom, and the founder's idea of freedom was not just freedom to do whatever you want. It was freedom to to, to do what's right, freedom to live out your faith, because their faith was being distorted in England. It was being controlled. It was being, you know, you, you had to follow God a certain way. You had to follow the state, you know, religion. So freedom, truly in a biblical sense, as we know, Paul says, Right everything's permissible, not everything's beneficial,
2: right? Mm-hmm.
1: And so actually, I think that's something we have to be careful to get a, to re-correct in our narrative of freedom. It's a little bit like, as especially as a Christian, I believe, constitutionally, I love that I have the, the ability of freedom of speech. As a Christian, I have freedom to speak life.
2: Mm-hmm. I right. have
1: freedom to speak what's true. I have, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not just free as a Christian to slander, to gossip, to talk trash about people. Um, So I have freedoms, but actually my Christianity actually restrains me, you know, even more than my constitution does. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually why many have stated that America and our constitution and the way our government uh, works only works when the people have a morality. And that morality is a biblical morality based on the founders of, of our nation. And so, which is why actually I actually feel like a, a lot of America's is in such chaos as it is, is because this type of freedom without a moral compass actually doesn't work. And it kind of descends into what we see around us, where everyone's just kind of doing whatever they want, however they want, their truth, my truth, your truth. Everyone's kind of living by their own laws and by their... Because we don't actually have a central guiding law which is actually supersedes the constitution, which is God's word. Yeah, but I feel and like
0: it, you're advocating for like a theocracy almost at that point, because you're saying that the Bible, especially your interpretation of it, or whatever the modern church's interpretation of it, you know, should be superseding constitution constitutional laws, and we should be imposing that on people who are Buddhist, Muslim, atheist, you know, um, progressive Christians, <laughs> you know, like that's what I'm trying to understand. Is like there are 300 million people in America. I think about half identify as some form of Protestant or mainline. There's another half that that doesn't see the Bible the same way as you do or see, you know, that like you, you mentioned following religion a certain way. You obviously have a way that you think it should be followed, right? With like certain things. But I'm trying to figure out like, why, why the, the concept of, Using the word freedom, like you know, Trump for fighting for freedom, but it's it's not really freedom for all. It's freedom for who who want who, for people who who support Trump in those policies, because other people will suffer at uh, uh, you know on the other side of that. And I use the LGBTQ example because it's, it's very low hanging fruit. It's a very clear example. You know, if you bar people from being yeah. able to be married under the law because you're uh, the Bible says it's wrong, to me that's just like wait what. I don't understand. Like, how do we feel okay doing that? But with people who who are saying, "Well, that's fine for you. But you don't think get married to some of the, some of the same sex, but I sure. want to, so don't tread on me." Right? I mean, sure. <laughs> well,
1: and I think, yeah. I mean, I and I I understand that the conversation, and of course, to somebody who's for sure somebody who's not a Christian, definitely does some of this conversation is hard to follow. And of course, and then there's different variations of. Uh, how we right. interpret the Bible. But <laughs> right. What, one of the things. One of the things that I think along this line of thinking that oftentimes can be a conversation is the whole like you can't legislate morality, right? So hey, why would we f- try to force unsaved people or non Christians, non believers, to adhere to believer like Christian principles, Christian doctrine, like same sex marriage? Uh, Things like that, going, okay, um, now we're just trying to legislate morality. It was the same thing with abortion. Mm -hmm. Abortions were happening before we, when they were illegal. Right. 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 So why, why would we, why would we want to go back to saying it's illegal again? That's legislating our morality onto certain people. Same thing with gay marriage. Um, But. I, I tend to grab onto the, this truth, that which I feel like is all laws are a form of legislative morality. You're not allowed to murder sure. people. Sure, absolutely. So, who, who, de, who determined that morality? Right. You know what I mean? 100%. You're, yeah. Which is, all to, you know, much of the morality that has sustained America is undoubtedly biblically based moral type of a code, right? Most of all, all of all of american health strength prosperity has driven from that again we have not had a perfect past we all know that we 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 have much that we had to overcome but the the tenets of our constitution the tenets of freedom freedom dialogue is a christian concept um Right. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it's there's just no denying that everywhere in the world where Christianity is preached, liberation of people becomes a byproduct. Everywhere where God is removed, where atheistic, communistic, other forms of religion is, there is greater levels of bondage and restrictions on people. It's it's not it's not necessarily about trying to force everybody to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. But if we're trying to build a stable society, mm-hmm. there's only one foundation that actually works. America proved that, that, that we have built something that is unique in the landscape of history. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's sort of like nosediving, <laughs> unless we correct some things morally. Now, to me, I never want America to force people to be a Christian. I would okay. never want that. All right. Um. That, that is where the, the church and state uh, issue becomes a problem. It's where it has been a problem in many nations in the past or empires in the past, where this church and the state were in, indiscernible. But, but we know that the separation of church and state concept in America was, an, it was in reference to the state being controlling on the church in England. And those who founded America going, hey, we don't want to repeat that again. We're mm-hmm. not about that. We're going to keep the government out of the church, right? Not the church out of the government.
0: Okay, um, really quick. So we have about, it's already 45 minutes into this, and I want to respect your time. You say about, you have about an hour max. Do you have any questions for me that you want that, that you are curious about before I ask the rest <laughs> of mine? Because I have a few more too, but I want to give you a chance to grill me if you want, because I don't want it to be just a one-sided, you know, me just punching you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So if you have any, that's fine. But if not, it's no big deal.
1: Well, you you know, I think probably the biggest thing of interest to me, you know, as a church leader and a Christian who would hold to, to more of the traditional type of views or conversations or approach even to church. Sure. Um, obviously you're very much immersed in the conversations around, um, you know, it's of course the new, new evangelicals is your, is your title and, and, um, you know, to some of the deconstruction conversations, you're right in there. I guess in the trenches of, of those who maybe feel disgruntled or hurt or marginalized or disenfranchised with all of it. So I guess what, what are you seeing as as, as some of the biggest sticking points? Because yeah. i that's interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, to see, you know, m- maybe there's a way. Uh, you know, maybe there's something I can adjust, or maybe there's just a, a perspective difference I can have, or maybe. This would help me to better, I guess, attempt to communicate yeah. um, with a yes. world that's feeling confused or yeah. disenfranchised.
0: Sure. Yeah, I'll take a few minutes to answer that for you. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of a couple layers to it. Um, I would say here are some of the big ones, like the big pictures, and we could talk offline about this anytime. I actually run a Zoom group for pastors who want to know more about deconstructing where I just present all of it, you know, and it helps them out. So always available if you want to talk more. But essentially. There are a couple of big things. Number one, one of the biggest ones is a lot of us are reading books about Christian history, all right? And we're realizing that we're in a very... Um, modern fundamentalist approach to how we do the Bible. The Bible's flat. The Bible has God said it. That settles it. Perspective, and and as we listen to guys like the Bible Project from Tim Mackey and or N. T. Wright or John Walton or you know, all these other guys who are scholars who've written these books on 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 the Bible historically and scholarly, and they've unpacked the context and like the narrative and all this stuff. A lot of us are like, well. I don't understand because I was taught that this evangelical church I'm growing up in is the only pie, when in reality, it's really one slice of the Christian pie. You have mainline, you have the Protestant movement. There are 40,000 global denominations. You know, there's 400 in the US. Clearly for all of us to be saying God's word is clear, Is not the case because we don't even agree on it and some of these issues are big right preston sprinkle conservative theologian um who um holds a conservative sexual ethic has a he views hell as, as annihilation you know john macarthur ect so these things that a lot of us were taught were absolute the bible's clear not really that clear, <laughs> it just isn't. Especially as you start understanding context, and listen, I'm no scholar, but just reading these guys in their work, I go, oh, Genesis 1 maybe isn't like a prescription for how the physical world existed, you know, in six literal days. Ma- never knew that because a Hebrew wrote it with no scientific worldview, and he's trying to tell a different story about order and, uh, and disorder, mind-blowing, and it makes so much more sense. So that's one big chunk. The How we view the Bible is a big chunk. I want to be clear. Most people who are deconstructing do not want to lose their faith. Most who are deconstructing are not doing it because they want to leave their faith. They want to go deeper into their faith. They want to know, what are the scholars saying? What are these like people who have steep, who have been steeped in the Hebrew literature? What, what do they know about the Bible that maybe I wasn't taught? That's where a lot of this comes from. So that's one aspect. On a church level, institutionally, and I'm very passionate about the church things. I've been doing this for a lot of years. Essentially, and I'm going to talk in a broad, broad brush, you know, broad strokes here. It sure. just, not every church, but the mega church model is leaving behind it a trail of bodies that even that mega church leaders are not seeing. They're just mm-hmm. not, or they're denying. For example, this article came out the other day of, of a church program called 220I out of a church, a Bethany Church in Louisiana. It's like a discipleship thing that happened in 2008 to 2013, and like people were sexually abused. There was rampant racism going on, and the pastor, who is now leader of the church, pretty much said it comes to our attention that a few bad things happened, even though there's a lot of good, and we're sorry. It's like. What do you mean you're sorry? This you you hurt real people. Like repent means to rethink. Okay, is our system hurting people? Right. Not to mention on a personal level, the church model, the evangelical church model, its value is event. We build our our churches around event. The Sunday morning gathering is the event. That's not, in my view, a biblical model at all. It's community. And so until we swap that value of event and light show, and I'm a listen. You see the background, of these drums here. I do professionally in the church, all right? I love the haze, I love the lights, make no mistake, I'm in that world, I can send you videos. Yeah. But is that yeah. is that the church model that we see that brings life? I think overall it's not. Now, are there good people? Of course. Are people helped? Of course. But when you got the Mark Driscolls of the world who have already had falls and they're back in the spotlight again for, for the same stuff, it's like what is going to give? What's going to give? So a lot of us are just very disenfranchised with the institutional church, and are and we want to follow Jesus in a more real way that really impacts people directly, um, including loving our neighbor, our, our, our black neighbor, our Asian neighbor. I mean, that's why you see this, this move in so many of us to think about like the social implications of the gospel. Me being a Jesus lover, how do I advocate for for better laws, right? I, I agree, a sense of morality. How do I advocate for more just laws or people in my town or in Camden, which is next to me, it's pretty much it's 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 a slum. How do I why is that? You know, what policies got us there and what can I do to help? So that's the, that's the big ranty version, you know, but that, those are some of the big ingredients that yeah. so I would say go into it for sure. And I, we could definitely talk offline when you have more time, uh, you know, no problem. But does yeah. that kind of help with a little bit?
1: Yeah, that's no, good. That's good.
0: Oh, one more uh, thing. Sorry, you yeah, need okay. to know this, especially you need to know this. Yeah. The Trump issue is big, big. Yeah. In 2016, when that comment of Trump grabbing women came out, I thought this is it. Evangelicals have to reject him, but when they embraced him further because Jerry Falwell Jr. makes the comment, we need a commander-in-chief, not a pastor-in-chief, I thought, I'm at, I'm at odds. The, 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 the people mm-hmm. who raised me, who taught me pornography is wrong, sexual assault is wrong, are, is, are now openly not just holding their nose, but pushing for a guy who's on the cover of Playboy magazine. Something is way off with this scenario. So, sure. again, we're going to pack that later on, too, but that's that's another yeah. huge cog in the wheel.
1: Huge. Yeah. Huge, yeah. You know, I I think for me, just to speak to the Trump issue real quick, so um, I voted not for him in the primaries Mm -hmm. um, because of all those things. You know what I mean? Just not really sure where he's at. Not obviously knowing his history, right? um, Feeling like he could be a real loose cannon. You know that kind of a deal. Yeah. Uh, When he became the option against Hillary, Mm -hmm. um, it became (laughs) yeah to me, the only choice. Of course, that's not how everybody felt, but you know, right. that, that ended up being more of that way. Yeah. But I, I, um, I do think, I do think that, um, yeah, that, that Trump conversation is a whole nother, whole nother. I know. Context. I, I, I don't I, I want to go
0: into it, but just for sake, yeah. I don't, I want to, I want to respect your time. You know, I would,
1: I would say um, to to the church leader thing, you know, yeah. I, I, wrote a book a little while back called Preaching Forward and it's called Calling Character and Craft. And I actually really lean into the character side of it because I actually think we have really harmed, uh, the world, America, Christianity, um, in some of our mega churches where we have elevated kind of the superstardom, the popularity contest, kind of the American idol version of yeah. Christianity. Yep. And we've elevated gifts and talents and abilities way faster than anybody's character had the ability to sustain them. Mm. And, and every time you do that, it just ends poorly. Yep. There's just no way around that, you know? Yep. And I, I think, I think the challenges were in such a uh, a machine of culture that feeds on our egos and feeds on yes. the fame chasing and the notoriety yep. and the popularity. Yes. And if any of us pretend like we haven't battled with that, line, <laughs> right. 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 And, um, I even remember this time, the Holy spirit really convicted me because the, the there was a first book that I was writing, um, that I'd I'd put out to a few people to give me some reviews on it. And I started getting some really good feedback, you know, and it was kind of my first try at some of this stuff. And I was a youth pastor and so this is in the Northwest and, you know, I had these big dreams, but feeling like maybe some lids on my life in different areas or whatever. And so I'm literally in the middle of church service worship and my thoughts start running to, man, I'm really getting a lot of good feedback on this book. Man, this could be like, this could be my ticket. Right, <laughs> could be the one. You know what yeah, I mean? This yeah. could break me out. I'm gonna get on the circuit. You know, yeah, my yeah, brain yeah. starts going there. Mm. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Samuel, you are gonna be just as insecure when this book is released as you are right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fame, accomplishment, notoriety, that stuff does not cure insecurity. Yeah, um, it's good. And I think, I think, you know, to genuinely say to anyone uh, listening here to this podcast who's been hurt by leaders who prioritized uh, skill and ability over character and integrity and authenticity, yeah, um, my heart goes out to you because I know there's there's a wake of people who have been hurt and abused by that, and and I think what, what I say, think to myself is the same thing. I I think when I hear of whether it's just another man who committed adultery or a pastor specifically who did, yeah my my heart always breaks and I'm always sad. And, and, but I always try to move, I try not to move too quickly to judgment because I feel like, man, you know, like the apostle Paul said, except for the grace of God, there go I, you know, kind of a deal. And I always think like, I, I realize that if I don't continue to maintain the right community, the right accountability, you know what I mean, the right yeah. ingredients in my life, I right. could be down the same track, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that to me. I don't want to
0: right. dishonor
1: God. I don't want to dishonor my family. Right. Right. I don't want to hurt and harm the people that God has entrusted me to lead. Yeah. I'm, I'm painfully aware. Of that reality, that the more influence God gives you, the, the more positive and negative impact you could have on the people that you're leading, which is why I believe that God really—he uh, elevates the bar of expectation for church leaders. We have lowered the bar, <laughs> um, but the biblical narrative of of. A, a church leader having a greater level of accountability and expectation on their character yeah. and on how they operate is very real and very much there. And actually I think that's something we got to return to. We've got to, yeah. we've got to return to uh, to dealing with the heart issues um, at a greater level and really allowing the Holy Spirit to do that before we step into ministry leadership or before we release that, Young gun, who's just mm-hmm. epic, right? right <laughs> you know, right? Uh, we, we've got to get away from that, Uh, and we've got to we got to fight for uh, what matters again yeah. when it comes to our church leaders.
0: I think that's a really good point, and we can end on that note. I'll I'll just respond to one thing you said that I think might, might help you just understand, like maybe. And again, I can't speak for every deconstructing person, but the people on my account, at least, right, many of us, you know, when 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 we say like we want to see we're not asking even so much for judgment. We're asking for accountability and we're asking for, for leaders to be held to the same standard that us as volunteers were held to. Okay. Meaning if, if I cheated on my wife, you know, and and I would not be back on that team. It wouldn't be a thing. I would not, I would not be back on the stage as a volunteer. I, I'd be kicked off and there'd be either a long process or it'd be Tim, you forfeited it. no matter how repentant you are, we're happy that you are, but you know, that, that stage is no longer for you. And what we're seeing is because of people who have a, a lot of, you know, influence and power, they're essentially able to say, you know, we have to protect the church. So we minimize it. We deny it. And then it, it turns out it was much worse than they said. And we're, all yeah. we're, all I'm asking for is for us, for the, the gospel I was taught to repent and believe and churn to be held to the same standard for leaders in that position. That, that's what it comes down to, sure. you know.
2: That,
1: that's and it. I, I'm, I'm with
2: you. I am thankful for and respect in my pastors. Uh, did I lose you? Oh, I think I might've lost him friends.
0: I hope I didn't lose Samuel. Come back so, to me, Samuel. I'm, I'm, oh, still, here. I'm gotcha. still here.
1: Sorry. I lost you for a minute. Go ahead. Okay. Can you hear me? Yep. You're Can good. You see mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, one of the things that, just speaking to what you're just talking about, accountability, that is so key, and that has that is something that uh, has been have been lost is something that that uh, is regained, is needed is being regained. I think in a current era where. know with social media social media has brought transparency whether people like it or not (laughs) exactly you know what i mean yeah and and many don't like it but it's necessary and it's needed and it's healthy right and um and i i would just encourage community right i mean that's truly that's where authenticity begins and it's community for all of us in the church in a broad sense as christians but then as, as pastors and leaders, if, if you are a pastor and you take the tone that, well, you know what, I can't really share my stuff or my issues with my team or my yes. people because uh, I'm I'm the pastor and I don't want them to think this or that. Yes. Don't do that. You've got to create an atmosphere where you are authentic, where you are honest about your issues. Yep. Man, it, almost... The mass majority of men deal with sexual temptation. Mm-hmm. And for you as a pastor to pretend that you no longer deal with sexual temptation because right. you're a pastor right. is stupid. Right. It's dangerous. Yeah. When when, guy, when pastors will tell like their testimony, yeah, I used to deal with pornography, but now I'm set free and I never struggle with it anymore. I'm right. like, liar. Right. Boom. Boom. <laughs> what are you, what are you doing? Right. Like, you know what? Did you get maybe some major breakthrough to where now it's not like a daily issue that sure, you're, sure. you know, but for any of us to pretend that we're now completely immune from sin right. as a church leader, right. We will set ourselves up for greater levels of deception. And that's part of the problem. The deception gets in there, right? I make a mistake. I lie to cover it. Now I'm telling a thousand lies. Right. Before you know it, you know, I don't even want to name their names, but you know, some of the people right. that we know who all, all the stuff comes out and all the issues and all the drama. And you're just like, my God, how far back does this lie go?
0: Exactly. And,
1: and that's where I have a week, we have a weekly like men's prayer meeting on Tuesday mornings. And one of the things I'll oftentimes help, help with leading that and whatever. And I will, I will say, Hey, uh, my goal is to never let a sin go unconfessed past Tuesday.
2: Uh Mm -hmm.
1: Now, of course, I want it to be more often than that. If I say I'm going to confess it quicker, it it was like kind of the statement go, don't let it go past Tuesday. You got men around you confess, deal with stuff, get honest. And I, as a pastor, literally have, because I say that I've gone public again. Now I've said whenever I feel the need, like I've violated Something my conscience or sure whether you know any boundary I feel like I violated, I have committed that I'm going to tell on myself.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Right? I'm gonna tell somebody about, I'm gonna confess it, I'm gonna bring it forward. Literally, there's been times where I've been preaching on Sunday to all these guys, and then in my circle on Tuesday, I have to go, man. I clicked on a freaking link on Instagram Mm. and Or some hashtag, and I knew I knew probably wasn't going to take me somewhere I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? Like, it. And did I want to do that? No. Do I feel stupid because I'm supposed to be this pastor, leader, Christian (laughs) guy? Right. Yeah, but it's like I, I, I care too much about integrity, honoring God, and living living in a way that people can actually follow. Um, to, yeah. to try to keep covering that up. And, and that little thing that you don't say, here's my rule. If I, if my brain tells me it's not a big deal, you don't have to tell anybody. That's my, that's my signal to tell yeah. somebody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I understand. Well, listen, I mean, Samuel, I, I think that is great stuff. And, and truly, I mean, obviously, we don't see I, I, a lot of things, but on that, it is nice to hear a pastor in your position say radical integrity and accountability is key because that's what we're—I we, believe in the church. I believe it's the hope of the world, you know, and, and every—, every Problem every abuse whatever it just hurts what we're trying to do, which is to love people well. So yep. I agree with you. But listen, I don't. I'll, I'll let you go here. Thanks for coming on. Um, i where where can people find you if they want to follow you? Do you want do you want to plug your social media accounts? You
1: don't have yeah. to. Yeah, that's can. great. Yeah, just Samuel doof I mean, that's a difficult last name to spell.
0: <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes. So yeah, yeah. On you, so Samuel
1: doof, uh Yeah, you know, kind of on all the all the platforms or just some of the the fo- following Jesus is. Um, following Jesus book is just kind of some basic devotional Bible study type of resources on U version or on great on my app and stuff like that. Thanks again, man. Thanks Dude. for letting me jump on and honored to <laughs> honor to be able to uh, uh, to share a little time, spar for off sure. a little bit. It didn't get too crazy. No, didn't no, get too no. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: maybe next time. Now that we know each other, we can really go for it. You know. So. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming on. I
1: really appreciate it. All right, man. God bless. Talk soon. That's the sound of me prepping the grill with Reynolds Wrap. And the
2: sound of me not doing dishes. And the sound of me spending more time outside with my family.
1: Easy prep, cook, and clean. Make time with Reynolds Wrap.
2: I like the sound of that.